Hey Warriors and welcome to another episode of Warrior Within and last week you know I wasn't feeling very good I'm feeling a lot better still got you know sinuses as normal but um don't have a temperature anymore my wife is also feeling a lot better too um I, I do know several people in my gaming community who at least one I know who has COVID right now and um he's trying to get better at, you know if you want to pray for him um also I know other people just have guck going on in their churches and their household and you know it's just it's about that time of the year where flu comes in too but you know we also know the omnicron virus is also around so if you know people are not feeling good you know pray for them ask them if they need any help or support um that's a that would be a plus you know and then uh as <clears throat> from my end uh housing still waiting to see if this other company will give us a mortgage or not otherwise we're just gonna have to look for a place to rent which is not what i really would like um god knows that and you know it's just i'm just kind of tired of renting to someone else i want my own place be able to do my own thing with with my own home um but i'm gonna trust god to deal with it and to step in when he needs to step in and do what he wants to do and need to rent need to rent but i'm gonna trust him through that anyway uh so this week you know last week we talked about um, the difference between changing your life and a, and just doing a diet to your change um and this week i want to talk about the junk in the trunk and the the idea is that a lot of times you know you know this could be used two different perspectives but if you have a car what usually happens in your trunk unless you're someone who always cleans it is you start kind of piling things into it because it's like space you forget about it or you're just lazy you know and the idea is that sometimes you can even look at it too as you know junk in your closet or you know junk in the attic a lot of times what we start doing is we start putting away things from our past, from our present situations, from our concerns or our hurts and pains, we start kind of putting all that stuff away hidden or out of our thoughts and our minds, which is kind of very similar to what I was kind of trying to say last week about change. If you're going to make a change in your life, it needs to be a change in your life, not just a diet, not just for a temporary moment. You know, if you're going to try to add more of God involved into your life, it's not to fill the extra parts that you have space for, but you're literally changing your life to have God be part of it. So this week, um, it's kind of interesting to think about, but if you have things in your life and we've talked about forgiveness, we've talked about the need for removing our hurt and our pain, right? Well, if there's stuff in your life that you're keeping just because you want to keep it, are you supposed to keep it? Because in many cases, we like to hold on to things, whether it's our past, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a relationship with someone that we love and want to be with, but we know we're not supposed to be. Um, maybe it's a job that we're, we weren't supposed to be doing. Maybe it's an opportunity that's been presented to you, but you're allowing fear to control you. Maybe it's uh, the classes you're taking. Like, are you sure you're supposed to be doing that degree? Are you sure you're supposed to be going to school? 
you know, when I was in college, I guy called me in 2002 to get into ministry, but I was determined to compromise. And even when I finally decided to go back to college so I can get into more of the ministry side of things, I still compromised. I wanted to get into psychology because I figured, hey, I can minister and I can also have a decent job at being a psychiatrist, right? Well, I started doing all the psychology classes and I liked them for the most part. But the problem was there was stuff I was seeing that they were telling me I had to accept that wasn't biblical. And this was in a Christian school. And so when I would question it, they would just turn around and say, who are you to question my Christianity? And that, that wasn't my intention, but it was interesting how my innocence in trying to figure out how as a Christian am I supposed to accept some of these views when they don't fit scripture and be okay with it. Um, I still remember that one teacher who uh, is a psychiatrist herself and she worked for the Navy and she's doing projects and stuff. And I remember her just coming up to me one day when we were passing by and she goes, you know, you have a moment to talk. And I said, sure. And she goes, you know, I really enjoy your perspective in counseling. Um, you seem to look at it from a different perspective. And she goes, which is why I am encouraging you by saying this is maybe you need to go more focused on counseling from the biblical perspective than psychology. She's like, you have this gift. And it's like, at first I was thinking, like, she's basically just telling me I suck at psychology and go, you know, do the biblical side. But what she was really trying to get me to understand is that, you know, God has already told me what he wanted me to do. She has no clue about my story, by the way. And God was using her to reach out to me to show me that I did have the gift of counseling, just not, it's not supposed to be in psychology. It's supposed to be in ministry. Oh, there's me. You know, of course I take it and I'm going back and I'm looking through it and I'm just like, Lord, I know I don't know what to do now. But God showed me that there was a new program had just started there um, at Regent University on Christian ministry. So I started looking into it and I was like, you know, I like it because it was kind of talking about the bones of ministry. And that's what I wanted to have a better understanding of anything if I was going to get into ministry instead of just focusing like I'm pastorate. Uh, you know, preaching and stuff like that, or um, youth ministry. I wanted something that had a understanding of ministry. Now, the classes that I went into this were actually amazing. Um, I did a really good job, and you know, my grade showed it. And the only class I really had a struggle in, I will say, was actually in Christian ethics. And it wasn't because I didn't understand Christian ethics. The professor I had... Um, her degree was in women's um, women's uh, liberation, no, like women's women's studies, and based on how she responded to me, she had a chip on her shoulder. Uh, I didn't understand why this person was in this position teaching because every time I would do something, I, like I'm telling you, I used to get high like high A's, maybe you know A low A's, and then. Once in a while, I may drop it a high B, but I was keeping on a pretty decently high uh, GPA. But in her class, 
I couldn't get anything higher than a C. And I was really confused. And every time I would question or, or ask her, you know, why are you giving such a low grade? You know, she's like, you don't understand the, the stuff that's going on. And I was really confused because I was like, I, I am understanding what we're talking about. And this is the lowest grade I've ever had. You've given you've given me this. And I and I tried to see if there was another class to get into because I, I knew that whatever issue she had was starting to like be the main reason why she was doing what she was doing to probably not just me but i'm sure to other people but maybe it's i don't know because the way i looked at it i was very i was very thick in in the scriptures when it came to dealing with people and um especially when it uh well i should say not with people but more with like the education like i made sure i understood what what we were talking about fit biblically was always my thing and I kind of felt like every time I would do that, she would kind of twist what I was saying. And basically, like, I mean, I she even said, hey, you did a really good job on this and gave me a C plus. I'm like, what? You know, it's like, that makes no sense. But anyway, that was probably the biggest struggle class I had. Otherwise, the rest of the classes, I actually did super well, you know, got noticed by basically all the the i guess you could say the theologian staff or the, you know the the religious staff that was there region where they knew who i was and i uh, seemed to make an impression in them for some reason so but none of them really actually said anything per se but they kind of did when they would talk to me and they really enjoyed getting to know me and they loved seeing what i would do in classes so i thought that was kind of cool anyway so once I got that done, <coughs> doors were not necessarily, I would say, doors were not opening up for me. And I didn't understand. And I would say from 2011, you, you know, lots of my story up to this point. The Lord didn't take me on the normal route to get to where I am right now. Church planning a church and becoming a senior pastor over a church. So it is really exciting to see how God has used my past and the different things I went through to get to where I need to go. So I'm saying all of this to point out that sometimes our past junk can still be inside our, our trunk of our car or in the closet in our house or in the attic of our home. And... We sometimes still focus on that. We reminisce. We go up, like we go upstairs or in the car and we look at it and we just like, you know, oh yeah, I remember this. I'm keeping this. This reminds me of a, either a bad day or a frustrating day and I don't want to let go of it. So I was looking through like Isaiah 43 was a chapter that stood out to me. It says, but, but now thus says the Lord who he, who, ugh, let's restart that over again. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior." And then it kind of goes through some of the things that have happened to Israel here and there. And, you know, and 
pretty cool. It says, I will say to the north, give up, and the south, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the end of the earth, and everyone who is called by name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made, bring out the people who are blind and yet have eyes, who are deaf yet have ears. All nations gather together and peoples assemble. Like The idea of this chapter was God was identifying himself as the savior of Israel. Like he always provided, he always did things. He, he kind of made mention to the Egypt. He made mention to the going 40 years into the wilderness and how he provided for them, how he helped them through hard times, how he was always by their side. And even as they came into uh, Israel itself, he was there, there with them as they fought the enemies, he removed the enemies, he fought on their behalf, he brought armies, he showed his power and his strength, and he was always there for them. And then it says in verse 18, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am going, I'm doing a new thing, now it springs forth, do, not, do you not perceive? I will make a way in the wilderness and the rivers and the desert. So the thing is that that verse is what kind of stood out to me because it also reminds me in the New Testament how it states that, you know, I when we accept Christ and we have asked for forgiveness and we've desired that desire of change, right? He has made a new creature in us. So we're not the old man, we're basically a new man, right? And the idea that God throughout Israel's history showed himself as the savior over and over again. We can look at Noah, we can look at Joseph, we can look at examples like David, and we can sit there and we can see how he has always provided an opportunity for us or for Israel at the time to see him as the authority and the savior of them. A lot of times when we think of the word savior, we think of Jesus and what he's done. But if we actually go down and really think about it, he not only is our savior, but he was also showing his lordship. He was showing his kingship. He was showing his power over the one thing that kept us from seeing him. That separated us from him. That kept our minds focused on things that we weren't supposed to be focused on. Because we, we, all of us, we should got to remember, we got to understand that looking at the Old Testament, we got to see that picture of what Christ has done for us. He died for our sins and he took it down to hell. He defeated death. He defeated the curse of sin, which is to send us to hell. And he has given us a way to go to him. Now we talked about in Christmas that Jesus is born and that he was born because of a purpose. And even during that time, we could see the sovereignty of God still intertwined in what their, what our world was doing. And even though, even two years later, when Herod tried to kill him, God still showed his power and saviorism of being our God. He intervened. And he protected Jesus and he protected Mary and Joseph and he provided everything. I mean, if we, we remember the, the wise men came and they gave him uh, gold, frankincense and myrrh, right? 
that stuff most likely uh, took care of Joseph, Mary, and Jesus in Egypt for the time that they were there until they, until they are called back into Israel. And that's kind of the parts I wanted to look at. It's not just the, the main theme stories and everything we, we, we notice, but it's the little things that God does. So I'm, <clears throat> we're going to take a quick break. I want you to start thinking about <clears throat> the, your past a little bit, the negative, but also the positive that God is, that what God has done on that positive side of things. Take a quick break. Welcome back, warriors. And we've been talking about <clears throat> the junk in the trunk, but we also have been talking about how we got to stop looking at just the theme stories for the theme and pay attention to the details that God does. So, taking the junk in the trunk concept and the stuff in our attic, there's two things I really think we do have put aside. And the problem I feel today is that we focus on just the negative that happens to us. The junk that shouldn't be in our trunk. But if we were to take it down and break down the car system, if you were to really be a, like a technical guy, there's a few things you might have in your trunk. One, you might have some tools. Two, you might have some backup liquids that don't explode, like you don't put gasoline, but like other things like windshield fluid or oil. Sometimes people do put, you know, like one bottle of oil just in case, especially if they have issues. Um, other things you might have is a first aid kit. Another thing might be a blanket, just in case, you know, in wind, if you live in a, an area where it's, it could be really cold, you know, your car breaks down, your car is going to get cold. Um, there might be other things, just like a spare tire that's always there. So there is some positive stuff that might be in your trunk. You know, if it's something that you may use every day, there might be a, like an empty bag or something. So like some people don't use paper or plastic, so they bring in their own bags. It could be that in your trunk. But then there's also the other junk. There's just trash, or there might be something in there that you just forgot about and left in there, but it still reminds you. Like for for me, I still actually still have Strider, my dog's collar and stuff in the car. It's been really hard to even think about taking it out. But what I want to do is, I'm when we move, you know, I, I still have them in uh, what do you call it? Not an urn, but a dog version of an urn. I guess you could say that they would give you. Um, and I had him at work because, you know, he was a important aspect of my life for the time that he was here. And I like telling, you know, his story about, you know, what type of dog he was. And the thing is that sometimes we might have stuff that still hurt because that collar stuff has been there since the day he died. And, and it still, it still kind of has a factor in me and something that, you know, I do have to deal with that I've been trying to deal with, you know, that hurt because it's hard watching. I mean, I can't imagine watching a person die from cancer, but it was very hard watching a dog die from cancer. Um, and the fact that he even basically, you know, he gave up in my arms, you know, he wasn't dead yet, but he was done and you know, it was hurt. It was, it was the saddest part of my, my life. And plus there was a lot of things going on during that time that, made it even doubly hurt i guess you can say which is why i think it's even a junk that i have that i have to figure out how to let go 
and understand the importance of what God was trying to do during that time. And to recognize that, you know, God blessed us with Strider for the time. But I do have other junk that I've also been working on. Like I've been, one of the things maybe even challenged for you, yeah, notebook and just started writing down things that had happened to me since I was a kid all the way up to this point that could be a possible hurt if that makes sense a possible pain a, a piece of trash that may be in my life that doesn't need to be anymore because of what God has done remember I said in the first half there is stuff that God has done that is amazingly and good and and just you get to see the fullness of God and his aspect and what he could do in our lives. And I think that's the one thing we kind of start forgetting is that we start focusing on all the negatives and all the hardships and all the struggles that we miss out on all the opportunities that God has been doing in those aspects. Remember, like I told you, I was looking for psychology, I got into ministry and then nothing was happening. But during that time, as hard as it was, and there, I mean, there was hard times in the, about five and a half years after graduating, being stuck at my parents' house and being married and nobody giving you an opportunity. Like I would look for full-time jobs around here or two-part jo jobs here, but I would always get this ring around this, this like, well, you have a degree, you, you should, you don't need to be working here or, um, you know, you don't have the qualifications that we need because your degree is not in what we need. Or I would get, um, you should be able to get a job anywhere. Why are you looking here? Like I got that probably 70% of the time as a response and it always frustrated me. And then there was also just none of the churches would give me an opportunity. And I didn't understand. I had plenty of years where I've, you know, volunteered with the youth group. I served underneath a youth pastor who helped me through several years. I uh, was very active in the church I was at during that time frame. I even started a young adult ministry um system with a bunch of young adults and like there was just so much stuff that I was doing and how could no church want to give me an opportunity as a youth pastor you know I was kind of the right age too I was like you know 30s I wasn't too young and I was also not too old in a lot of sense um you know, I was between 28 and 30 range you know, that's, I was like, man, opportunity should be flying and I should be all good and nothing was happening. And then when someone finally said a yes, it was the most red flag church to walk into because like, I think I've mentioned it not too long ago, it, it would have been disastrous for me to start my ministry career in a split church that was basically not really wanting to do what the pastor wanted per se. And they were encouraging me to keep doing, to do what I wanted to do and that they would support me. And I was just like, nah, I can't do this to my, you know, to my wife and I, and this is how we're going to start. No, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. And then, um, after that point, uh, nothing happened for like a year and maybe even, maybe even more than a year, <laughs> but 
the thing is, even with that opportunity, it seemed great because God was leading us to do it. But at the same time, it was in a city and I didn't like the city, but I learned a lot. I learned a lot about what is not ministry. And I learned a lot of how to be compassionate and caring for others better by one lady there who did love Jesus and did an amazing job and really showed me a lot of things. Plus my wife went through her issues to be able to become the woman I needed her to be for ministry. And while still surfing is quite interesting concept. And then I went through what I needed to go through. I mean, we lost our dog through it and uh, I went through a lot of hardships and eventually even understood what a wolf looks like, what a bad pastor looks like, what, um, what struggle looks like, what's being attacked by demonic forces looks like. I mean, I got to see a lot of different things and I think God needed me to go through that to truly help me understand what it means to be a pastor and to what it means to start a church, what it means to lead a church. And I got to see amazing good things in that junk too. You starting to get what I'm talking about. Those were struggles. Those were hardships. We go through them. Israel went through it too. People go through their struggles. David, you know, ran away from Saul for 12 years. Joseph was sent to be a slave and then accused of something he didn't do, then imprisoned. You know, you starting to see that? Uh, Ruth got married to an Israeli into an Israeli family. The sons die and the mother-in-law wanted to leave her and she persistently came. She, you know, she thought, hey, you know, I'm here to help. And then boom, suddenly now she's treated like a, like a plague. And then they're poor because there, it's just her and her mother-in-law. But then God blessed her later with Boaz, which if you guys don't know, that relationship, Boaz and Ruth, is a connection to Jesus down the road. You starting to see, starting to see the picture I'm trying to put out there. Um, Jesus is also the line of David, which God promised David he would be, his his heritage would be super important down the road. You see, what the thing I'm trying to get you to understand is that sometimes the junk that we do have, maybe it needs to be there for a time, but then there has to be time to take it out. And remove it. So it may be hard to deal with. It may be pain and struggle that you've been dealing with for decades or just for a few years, like anger, rage, pride, some type of sin that, you know, the typical line. Maybe it's dating someone you're not supposed to be. Um, maybe. Is trusting someone you shouldn't have been trusting in. See, the thing is, if you're married to someone that you, you realize maybe uh, you made it out of the wrong decision, doesn't mean I want you to have a divorce. I want to be clear in that. It means you need to start praying and taking care of that wife and loving her in Christ-likeness and pray that God will reach out to her. But I'm talking about Maybe there's a friend who keeps pulling you right back into your old life when Jesus has given you a new one and you just keep going right back to the old one. 
maybe it's someone that you need to say, hey, we need to we need to cut bonds here. You keep pulling me back into something I don't want to be, and I want to be what Christ wants me to be. And maybe it's a toxic family member who you you do it out of love to stay connected, but they keep throwing that trash right back in your face over and over again. You may have to say, I'm sorry, auntie or grandpa, grandma or mom and dad or brother and sister or cousin. We can't hang out anymore. Can't talk anymore. You 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 are not helping me walk in, in upright. You're making me want to kill you. <laughs> um, maybe it's you know the choices you've been making for work. Maybe it's a job. You, you know, it's a job that you've been doing for a decade now, and you got all these benefits, but you don't feel like you're fulfilled in it. Maybe it's not where you're supposed to be. But it takes care of my family. Well, you're saying God can't take care of you now. Remember, you know, I read about a little bit in Isaiah 43. I believe that's what I did. Yeah, 43. No, it talks about the fact that he is their savior. He's always provided. You think it was honky-dory when Israel was running, wandering around in the wilderness and, and basically being nomads for 40 years? Can you imagine doing that yourself? You see, the thing is, we make excuses of why we want to keep the junk. We, may, we, we keep the excuses of why we don't want to change. Now, because we talked about change versus diet last week. A change is a commitment into your life that changes your life. It's not something that it's just that I'm going to do for a couple months and then, you know, kind of throw it to the side. It's not like a brand new toy you got at Christmas and you only play for a week and then you don't play with it anymore. Changing is change. So when scripture says that you have been made into a new creature, a new man, it means there is a change in you. And if there's junk in your life that you've been keeping for so long because you have been afraid to let go, you are stubborn and being prideful because it's something that gives you something. It gives you like a power control, it gives you some way to be able to control your life. You're looking at things wrong, especially what the idea of who God is. God was always showing Israel how much he loved them. God has always shown this world how much he loves us. He provided a savior. He didn't just keep it for Israel. He made it for everybody to have this understanding, this, this following of Christ, this understanding of who he is as God, but also have a better understanding of who Christ is, his son. And then he provides us the Holy Spirit to give us the capability of understanding truth, to understanding the scriptures, to understand how to walk upright, how to be righteous, how to chase after holiness, how to be men of God who love God first and are willing to give up our past and our hurts and our pains to serve our God. So remove the junk in your trunk. That's causing you to not move forward this year. It's not allowing you to seek him out fully. It's not allowing you to be the example of Christ. You're supposed to be for your family, for your friends, and for your job. 
Ask God if this is the job I'm supposed to be doing. Ask God, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing at my church? Ask God, am I supposed to be doing more? And see what he does this year. See if he opens up doors. See if he starts pushing to try something. Yes, it will be scary. And yes, you may feel uncomfortable. And yes, it may not be what you expect. I have said this before. Sometimes when you ask God about things, you may think you've been going on the right way all these years. But God's like, no, that's just stuff you've been doing on the side. That's not exactly what I've been wanting you to do. And now this is the opportunity. Are you willing to do what he asks? We talked about change last week. Are you willing to change? Let's pray. Now, Father, I ask that you just bless these men that are listening, that you help them to continue to walk upright, help them to stand before, you know, as a reminder, maybe have them go back to the verses of this podcast back in the beginning, where I talk about the verses that I'm using to help them understand the idea <clears throat> that we're supposed to be warriors that wear the armor of God, but also we're supposed to be on watch. And the thing is, we can't be true soldiers of Christ and walking in uprightness and being men of God who love God first if we're holding on to things in our past. If we're trying to keep control of things, if we're trying to keep a form of ourselves that was of our past that is not a good thing, but makes us feel whole or makes us feel who we're supposed to be. Help us to remove anger, Lord. If we have anger issues, allow God you holy spirit to come in and show us how to just have grace how to have peace and how to show patience and consideration to others lord if there's sin past that's just still lingering into our life lord help us to remove it help us to be willing to to turn away from that issue if there's people in our lives that are causing us to continue to sin, causing us to continue to be toxic, causing us to keep feeling like crap, help us to remove them. Let your Holy Spirit be the one thing in our life that is showing such incredible truth into us by your word, by who you are, and not be reminded by our past wrongs, but to be reminded on the things that you have done in that past. You have done a lot of little things and we forget to look at those little things and be reminded about you, God, being our savior and our Lord and our, and our God, the creator. I ask that you help men this today to be able to go through their junk a bit this year, remove things that shouldn't be there, get things out of there that shouldn't be in there and put in the things that should be in there. I know it's a little bit of a twist there of what I've been talking about, but you also want us to put your word in our hearts. You, you want us to put things of holiness in our minds. You, you want us to uh, have the fruit of the spirit in us, Lord. Use those things, and I pray. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. Guys, this is your chance this year, the new start of the year. Remove the junk out of your life so that God can do amazing things for you this year. Start showing you new things about you. Start giving you understanding that you may not have understood, but you have to seek him out wholly. Not parts of it, like last week, can't be a diet. It needs to be a change. I'll see you guys next time and God bless.